Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Second Story Work, the novel. I'm Josh Sobalski, the author of Second Story Work. This week, we're going to be listening to chapters 30 to 33 in my debut novel, Second Story Work. Last week, Derek had visited Bandy and Canmore to get a glimpse of what his life could be. Hecky also began building a bomb that he would eventually detonate in a neighborhood surrounded by family homes. Derek and Hecky also buried a very close friend. I hope you enjoy chapters 30 to 33. Chapter 30, January 2010. Mandy called Derek every night, asking how many days left. Derek was counting the days as well. Get through the Olympics, he thought. Just get through the games and leave town like all the Olympians. After a week of living like Howard Hughes, Derek was starting to lose it. Hecky too. The police certainly weren't sympathizing with them. Every day they would show up to ask the boys something new. Finally, the police knocked on the door and asked the boys to come with them. They were going to ask more questions at the station. Hecky and Derek were brought down to the police station in the back of separate police cruisers. The cops took the scenic route to make sure the ride took as long as possible. The more time the boys had to think, the more time their minds had to wander. Derek knew that the police had nothing on them. They would need one of them to turn on the other to make a case. Hecky and he had gone over their story a million times and covered every scenario that could trap them. The cars pulled into the parking garage and two officers each walked Derek and Hecky from the cruiser into the building where they were led into separate interrogation rooms. They were left alone in the tiny rooms for over two hours. A detective walked into the room to speak with Derek. He was dressed in a suit and tie and brought Derek coffee and a donut. Evening, Derek. I'm Detective Smith. I want to thank you for your cooperation in this matter. Derek was curious as to which interrogation model the police would attempt to use. He and Hecky had had a lot of free time. They'd become students of crime. Derek knew of the red model, which was almost confrontational right off the bat. Then there was the peace model, which was more of a dialogue between the interrogator and the suspect. Tell me about yourself, Derek. Smith started. I was born. I've lived. I'm here. Okay, I get it. Vague question gets a vague answer. Why move to Vancouver, Derek? Was it the restaurant? Money, to both your questions. Detective Smith laughed to himself. Derek, you lived with two men who were murdered, and you've been shot at multiple times. How would you view this if you were me? Detective Smith caught Derek off guard. He wasn't prepared for a hypothetical line of questioning. He improvised by providing hypotheticals of his own. You have kids, Detective? I do. Do you ever worry that they could get mixed up with the wrong crowd? Of course, Smith answered. That shit doesn't change when you're my age. Just because my friends do bad shit doesn't mean I do. People make mistakes and people pay for them. Messi and Arlo have made their beds and now they're lying in them. Big coincidence, no? Derek snickered to himself. Coincidences still happen, don't they? You don't believe that they exist? Oh, I believe in coincidences, Derek. I've just never seen a cluster of coincidences quite like this. Just because you don't see them doesn't mean they don't happen. Doesn't help me believe, replied Detective Smith. Do you believe in God? Derek asked. I do, Smith answered. Have you ever seen him? Indirectly, Smith answered once again. 
You've seen God indirectly? Asked Derek. I've seen God's work. Okay. Derek thought for a second. So you believe in God, even though you've never seen him? Yes. Okay. Derek kept going. Well, I believe in coincidences. And I've seen them. Derek, you still haven't answered the question. Smith took a moment to collect his thoughts. How would you view it as an outsider and you saw someone had two roommates who got murdered? Derek thought before he answered. I'd probably think they should find some new roommates. And that's exactly what Riley and I are doing. We're moving. Where are you moving, Derek? Detective Smith asked. Fucktown. Why are you moving to Fucktown? Detective Smith asked sarcastically. Because all my friends keep getting killed here. Where's Mr. Heckman going? Why don't you go ask him? He's two doors down. Derek answered. What was your involvement in your friend's affairs? None. Derek answered sternly. No involvement. Other than being used for target practice. You know what I think, Derek? I bet you're going to tell me. Derek shot back sarcastically. Listen, I've seen a thousand kids like you before. And I'd say 90% of them are lying in the ground right now. Detective Smith paused. I think you and Riley are the ringleaders of this whole thing. And I think you and Riley are the real targets. And I think your friends, was it John and Ryan? I think they were your fall guys. Derek laughed. He was uncomfortable. He thought for a second before he spoke. I think you give me way too much credit. You really think I could do this? Why haven't these guys kept coming then? Probably because you and Riley wiped out their whole organization. Is that your idea or is that Mr. Heckman's idea? Look, sir, you can try and rattle me, but there's nothing for me to give and nothing for you to get. So keep wasting your time if you want, but you're chasing ghosts. Well, Derek, you're not being charged with anything, so you're free to go. But just know that once you walk out that door, I won't be here to help you. If you come back, I won't have a deal for you to cut. So let me put it to you this way. You can take half your punishment now and we can talk about a deal or you can take all of your punishment later. Derek looked out the door and quietly walked towards it. Hecky was already sitting in the hallway with an officer. He stood up the second that he saw Derek. Derek walked out the door. You good? Hecky asked. All good, buddy. Hecky nodded. Let's get the fuck out of here. A week later, Derek left the house climbed into his rental car, and drove to the grocery store. He hadn't left the house in a week, not since they'd been interrogated by the police. The fridge had been bare for two days, and he was hungry. He returned home from the store and noticed a familiar car in the driveway. Maddie and George were visiting Hecky. Maddie met Derek at the door and gave him a hug. Sorry to hear about your boy, Sarge. Are you? asked Derek, catching Maddie off guard. Yeah, man. I know we ain't close now, but we still boys, homie. We aren't boys anymore, Maddie. What we did, we did for us. Not you and your fucking cartel buddies. God damn, grit, man, snickered Maddie. So glad they're chilled and buried. You know that you set this shit in motion, right, Maddie? Without you coming by the house that day, Messi and Arlov would still have their voices echoing inside these walls. Careful what you say, Sargi. I'm the reason you have these walls. You think I give a shit about that? Said Derek. We're doing fine without you. And we'll be fine when we're gone. Yeah, I heard you're leaving soon. I'm gone, said Derek, cutting Maddie off. And I'm not coming back. 
You think the cartel guys are going to let you skate? I mean, I'll miss you, but they won't. Are you threatening me, Maddie? Not at all, Derek. I'm not threatening you, but those guys will. You made a deal with them. Guns for your work. They got their hooks in you, bro. Maddie walked back into the living room and sat down with Hecky. He looked back at Derek. They might violate your little non-aggression principle. Derek knew there was no way he was going to hang around with Hecky and Maddie. He walked outside to his rental car. Just as he was about to open his car door, a female voice called his name. Derek. Derek. He looked back and he saw Anna emerge from the car. Hi, Derek. Hey, he replied. Anna smiled and Derek half smiled back at her. You know, you're trespassing, Anna. I've got city property under my feet, Derek. If you say so. Derek turned and began to walk towards his car. I see your boys associating with known gangsters. Anna pointed to Maddie's car. Maddie? Asked Derek. Anna nodded her head. Derek scoffed and snickered. Are you joking? Are you? Asked Anna. Derek shook his head. I know you think you've got it all figured out, Derek. But if you continue down this path, you're going to end up just like your friends. I'm not choosing their path, Anna. I'm not in that life, nor do I plan to be. I'm gone in a month and I'm not coming back. Just because you run doesn't mean the life won't find you, Derek. It'll come crashing through your door like a no-knock warrant. It'll take everything that you care about. I'll be fine, Anna. I appreciate your concern. Derek turned and entered his car. He rolled down the window and Anna continued. You know, your boy is pretty plugged in with some cartel guys. Just know that. The guys he's connected to are connected to the worst of the worst. Have a good one, Derek. Over the next week, Hecky would come and go with no regard for his own well-being. He was making moves, and he didn't seem to care if he drew the attention of Derek or the police. Derek sat tight at home, bored and alone. He missed Mandy, and he couldn't wait to leave Vancouver. Mandy and Derek continued talking every night. If they weren't texting, they were talking. If they weren't talking, they were texting. Derek's mind was on her 24-7. Danik arrived the day before the opening ceremonies of the Vancouver Olympics. Derek picked him up from the airport in a rental car and drove him back to the house. Walking through the house, Danik was blown away by the decor of the home. He'd never seen anything like it. This place is unreal. Business must be good. It is, buddy. Life is good, Derek replied. Can I have a job? Asked Danik jokingly. Fuck no, thought Derek. They had an early dinner and then took a cab downtown to the bar. Derek hadn't been out in quite a while, but he let Danik twist his arm. They arrived at 10 p.m. and circled the inside of the bar a few times looking for a spot to relax. Derek didn't want to be out, but with the Olympics in town, Danik wanted to get out and have some fun. He walked out to the dance floor and began dancing with a girl. Derek stood at the bar and watched the DJ spin records up top. He took a look around the club. He knew that the people in the club were just like him, pretending to be something they weren't. He was trying to hold together the perception that he was a normal, successful guy. He then noticed Anna and her crew walk into the bar. They were dressed in the same jackets they were wearing when they tossed them out of the bar one time before. Anna and her partner circled. Derek had nowhere to hide. Anna spotted him and pointed directly at him. He stood in place, defeated and alone. Anna walked towards Derek and stood right in front of him. I thought I was pretty clear, 
Derek, you think I want to be here? Well, you are here, Anna replied. Yeah, yeah, I'm leaving. Derek began to walk towards Danik, but one of Anna's partners stopped him. Listen, crop top, I just want to go, said Derek, sternly. Anna pointed to the officer. Let him go. The officer stepped aside, and Derek began to walk towards the exit. He walked past Danik, who was still talking to the same girl. He slid $100 in 20s to Danik and smiled. Hey, buddy, I'm getting kicked out. You stay and have fun. Danik looked at Derek, confused. Are you sure? Yeah, buddy. I'm good. Derek smiled as he walked towards the exit. The next morning, Derek woke up to the sound of laughter in the living room. He threw on a pair of jogging pants and a t-shirt and walked downstairs. Danik, Maddie, and Hecky were chatting. They looked like they'd all just come home from the night on the town. Hecky grinned at Derek. Baby bro is just like you, eh, Sarge? Yeah, he's his brother's brother, said Maddie. You were with that girl? Asked Derek. Danik nodded. Derek was sad that his brother was treating women the way he'd treated women. He didn't want that for him. He wanted something better. Hecky and Maddie chatted for a bit then broke off from Derek and Danik and went out. Derek poured himself a coffee in the kitchen and walked out to the living room. How's Mandy? asked Danik. She's good, man. She's excited, Derek replied. Only a few weeks away, eh, bud? You must be excited to move. Honestly, Danik, I can't wait. I'm a different person when I'm with her. I can tell, said Danik. You're definitely better with her. Derek paused for a moment. I hope you can find someone like her. You deserve that more than I do. Yeah, you deserve it too, Derek. With all the shit you had to go through, it's good to see you good. I am good. I'm glad, said Danik. It makes me happy to see you happy. Over the next two weeks, Derek was a tourist in Vancouver. He attended hockey games and other Olympic events. He was in Whistler when Alex Bilodeau won Canada's first gold medal on Canadian soil. He was there when Sidney Crosby buried a shootout winner on Jonas Hiller to lead Canada over Switzerland. Every night, he would return home to find Hecky and Maddie hanging out in their living room. Some nights they were doing coke, other nights they were doing worse. Derek would beat Danik to the house and banish them to Hecky's room. He didn't want Danik to see that. Danik was having the time of his life. Every night, he'd come back to the house with stories of who he met, who he interviewed, and what he'd seen that day. Every story made Derek jealous of Danik. Derek longed for his life, an exciting job, close friends, and normalcy. Derek's life was everything but. His normalcy was Mandy. The games began to come to a close. The city was buzzing as Canada had made it into the gold medal game in men's ice hockey. At 10 p.m., Derek arrived home. Once again, Hecky and Maddie were in the living room doing drugs. It was a drug Derek had never seen before. He looked at the boys and shook his head. What the fuck are you doing? It's blow, replied Maddie. Maddie, I've seen more blow than Bogota. That ain't blow. You idiots are going off the fucking rails. It's fine, Sarge. We're all good, said Hecky. You're yelling, Hecky. Am I? I had no idea. Bro, can I talk to you in here? Derek said sternly as he pointed to the kitchen. Hecky walked towards the kitchen. Derek followed. What the hell is wrong with you? Asked Derek. What? You're doing fucking crystal, dude. Are you that snowed up? You're already fucking nuts. Do you need to feed the insanity anymore? It's one time, Sarge. Chill. I'm sure the youngin has seen it before. 
You really think Danik has seen fucking Crystal? You and that idiot get the fuck upstairs and don't come out when Danik gets here. I don't need you freaking him out. You twisted, Sarge. You think you're always fucking right and I'm always fucking wrong. Hecky, what the hell are you jawing about? I'd love to fucking know what happens in that lifted, warped brain of yours. Smarten the fuck up. Hecky walked past Derek and yelled at Maddie. Grab that shit and move upstairs. Chapter 31 February 27th, 2010 Derek woke to crashing and banging noises in the kitchen. He walked downstairs to find pots and pans all over the floor. Hecky was lying on the ground, laughing. Jesus Christ, Hecky, what the fuck are you doing? Yo, you want breakfast? Asked Hecky. Derek knelt down next to Hecky. He looked up and laughed. Are you okay? Asked Derek. I'm fucking great, Sarge. Hecky, I'm seriously worried about you. You're off the rails, man. I'm good, bud. Stop worrying. No, Hecky, you aren't. Maddie is not someone you should be hanging out with. He's bad news. Was it so bad for you, Derek? Asked Maddie, who had quietly entered the kitchen. Oh, shit, shouted Hecky. How much good did you bring into my life, Maddie? For real. I brought a lot of money into your life, Maddie replied. Don't forget that. Oh, should I forget that Messi and Arlo are dead because of that? Collateral damage, Derek. Derek stood to his feet and put his hands together as if he was saying a prayer. Maddie, what happened to you? You're this nice, polite kid, and now you're this. You know why I'm this, Derek. Maddie, please leave, Derek pleaded. I need to straighten Hecky out. He's going off the deep end, and you're not helping. Maddie smiled. He's a big boy, Sarge. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Hecky spoke up. Yeah, Sarge, fuck off. Hecky pushed Derek back, and he stood up quickly. Stop trying to run things, said Maddie. I thought you were supposed to be against coercion. All right, you guys do whatever you want. I'm an ANCAP. What the fuck do I care? Just make sure your fist ends where my head starts. Derek stormed off to his room and packed a bag. He then went to Danik's room and woke him up. Pack your ship, bud. We're going to a hotel. Getting a hotel in the city during the Olympics was impossible. Lucky for Derek, he found a couple on Kijiji who had listed their room for the weekend. They'd booked it for the entire Olympics and were leaving town early. The price was jacked up. But Derek didn't want to spend his last days in Vancouver worried about Hecky and Maddie going crazy on Crystal. They checked into the hotel. Danik grabbed his gear and headed out to work. He was happy to have a shorter commute downtown. Derek lay on the bed in his room and turned on the TV. He was finally able to rest. It had been a crazy two years of running from one place to another. One play to another. As he drifted off to sleep, his phone rang. He looked at the caller ID. It was Mandy. Hey, babe, answered Derek. Two days, sweets. I know. I can't wait. What's your plan for moving, Derek? Did you get your friends to help? No, I hired movers, and then I'll drive the truck to Canmore. Okay. I cleared out a pile of space for your stuff. I can't wait for it and for you to be here with me. Neither can I, Mandy. I already packed most of my stuff, so I just checked into a hotel with Danik. We're going to watch the gold medal game downtown on the big screen. Oh, wow. That's so fun. I wish I could join you guys. We do too, Derek replied. 
I'm going to go visit my friend tonight, so I'll give you a call tomorrow, okay, Derek? Sounds good. Have fun, babe. You too, Derek. Mandy hung up, and Derek rolled over to take an afternoon nap. Derek woke up in the evening and ordered room service. While waiting for his food, he looked over his missed texts and calls. Mom, Danik, Mandy, and Hecky had all texted. He read through them, ignoring Hecky. He was annoyed. Calling Hecky a friend was becoming increasingly difficult. After reading all of his text, he gave Hecky's text a quick read. Sorry I was such a dick. Maddie and I want to take you out tonight. Meet downtown? Fuck that, thought Derek. He was done with both of them. He would stay in and avoid all the bad in Vancouver. Derek texted Hecky back, saying he wasn't feeling well and he'd checked into a hotel. He spent the night watching a movie. Chapter 32, February 28th, 2010. Derek woke at 9 a.m. and went out for breakfast. He returned to the hotel to find Danik getting ready. The plan was to go down to the screening area early to get a good spot for the game. Derek went alone, allowing Danik to finish his interviews. Derek arrived at the screening area at 11 a.m. People crowded around him as he stood sipping on a coffee. He and Mandy texted while he waited. One more day, he thought. The crowd had filled in when Derek texted Hecky to join him and Danik at the game. It was Derek's one last nice gesture for him. The puck dropped at 12.15 p.m. local time, with Sidney Crosby taking the opening faceoff for Canada. Danik was late arriving at the screening area and narrowly missed the puck drop. He brought Derek a beer. They watched Canada take a 1-0 lead late into the third period. The crowd waited in anticipation for a celebration that would surely consume Canada. With just over a minute left, Zach Parise broke the hearts of Canadians everywhere when he buried a shot past Roberto Luongo. The air had been let out at the entire country's sale. The game went into overtime, and with every chance for either team, the crowd worked into a frenzy. Canada needed this. They needed to win this game. And then it happened. Sidney Crosby took a pass from Jerome Aginla inside the left faceoff circle and buried a quick wrist shot underneath Ryan Miller. Game over. Canada wins. The crowd went nuts. Danik and Derek screamed out loud. Derek couldn't hear his own thoughts. All he could hear was inaudible screaming from thousands of fans. The cheering continued as Danik and Derek became separated in the crowd. Derek spun around looking for his brother, but he was gone. The crowd filled in the area where Danik once stood. Derek pulled out his phone and tried to call Danik. His brother answered, but all Derek could hear was indecipherable yelling on the other end of the line. Derek hung up and took another look around. Nothing. He wasn't worried. They'd meet back at the hotel. Derek began to make the long walk back to his room. He pulled a cigarette from the pack in his pocket and lit it. The crowd was still in a frenzy. Derek couldn't help but enjoy the moment. A gold medal for Team Canada punched Derek's ticket out of town. Walking with the crowd, Derek could feel somebody rubbing against him from behind. He didn't turn. He figured everyone in the crowd was rubbing against everyone else. The bumping continued until he felt something blunt poke into his back. Hey, Sarge, said Matty from behind. He'd snuck up behind Derek and shoved a gun into his spine. What are you doing, Matty? I heard you got a huge stash of money and the only key. What about it? asked Derek. You're going to take me to it. Derek kept walking. Are you going to shoot me in the middle of town? If I have to, Matty replied. 
Nah, I don't think you will. Derek, I got this thing buried so deep that no one would even hear it. Why are you doing this, Maddie? Money. I owe it. You have it. The cartel guys? Derek asked. Something like that, Maddie snickered. Derek and Maddie walked forward until they approached a crosswalk with a flashing hand and a countdown at four, three, two, one. Derek leaned back and smashed Maddie in the face as hard as he could with his elbow. Maddie's head flung back, stunned. Derek pushed through a group of people, jumped onto the crosswalk, and ran across the street. He weaved through the thousands of people, trying to get to his hotel. He spun around in every direction. Maddie was gone. Derek walked the streets until, 20 minutes later, he arrived back at the hotel. He walked calmly through the lobby as he attempted to call Danik on his cell phone. He had to get Danik out of town and get himself gone. His belongings meant nothing. He didn't need them. He wasn't going home. He wasn't seeing Hecky again. Maddie had turned against him, and Derek needed to get out of Vancouver and on with his life. He took the elevator up to his hotel room and calmly stood in front of it. How was he going to explain to Danik that he had to take him to the airport right now? He would need to think of something on the way. Then it hit him. Hecky had turned on him. Hecky was the only person who knew that Derek was downtown. He dimed Derek to Maddie. Derek calmly opened the door and walked into the room. Danik? He asked. Danik peered out from around the corner. Hey, bud. Pack your ship, brother. Change of plans. I got to take you to the airport tonight. I'm leaving too. What's up? Asked Danik. Nothing, man. I just want to get going to surprise Mandy. Oh, you guys are so cute, said Danik as he smiled. Why? Derek was curious. Derek walked towards Danik. As he turned the corner of the bedroom, he saw Mandy sitting on the bed, as beautiful as ever. She'd made the trip to Vancouver. Fuck, thought Derek. Hi, Derek, said Mandy. Oh my God, what are you doing here? Asked Derek. I thought I'd spend your last night here with you. Jesus Christ, this is terrible, thought Derek. I was coming to see you, he said. Now you don't have to. Mandy stood up, walked over to Derek, and gave him a kiss. He knew that they were in trouble. They had to go right now. But he didn't know how he would explain it to her. I would still like to drive tonight. I got a beat on a job and I got to go meet the guy tomorrow. Job isn't going anywhere, bro, said Danik. It could, said Derek. I need to go. What's wrong? Asked Mandy. This city, man, I just... Derek began rubbing his head in frustration. We just... We need to go right fucking now. Are you okay? Asked Danik. I'm not, Derek replied. What's wrong, babe? Asked Mandy. Derek grabbed Danik's suitcase out of his hand and opened the door to set it outside. He took one step into the hallway and was greeted by a fist to the face. Derek stumbled back into the corner of the wall and fell down. Mandy screamed as George walked in with his gun drawn. Maddie stood behind him. Hey, Derek, said Maddie. George and Maddie both revealed their guns. Maddie had come for the money. His prize was the key to the first storage locker that Derek was wearing in a chain around his neck. Derek looked at Maddie. He fired a shot that knocked Derek to the ground. It hit Derek in the right thigh. Derek clutched the bloody bullet wound and screamed in agony. Blood began to leak through his fingers. Derek screamed. Shut the fuck up! Maddie pointed his gun at Mandy and Danik. You two, get on your knees. 
Danica and Mandy watched Derek, terrified, as they dropped to their knees in the middle of the room. Derek crawled towards Mandy. Don't do this, Maddie, pleaded Derek. Take the fucking key and the money and go. I know you're going to come after me, Derek. Just fucking take it and go. Derek, who are these guys? Asked Mandy. I'm Maddie. Just fucking go, yelled Derek. Why are you doing this? Mandy followed up. Let me give you the 411 on Derek Searsant. Derek has been grinding out millions of dollars over the last year, and I'm here to take it from him. Mandy looked at Derek. What does that mean? Maddie cut in. Means that he's been slinging and hustling. What? Asked Danik. Your bro is the best criminal I've ever seen. No one runs like him, said George. Derek hung his head in shame. He had nothing to say. He could feel the harsh looks from Mandy and Danik as they knelt across from him. Yo, Sarge, I never planned for any of this shit to happen, but I need to pay the cart guys back. What did you do to Hecky? Asked Derek. He's comfortable, said Maddie. Your friend Hecky, is he dead? What happened to him? Asked Mandy. Jesus Christ, Sarge, you really shut her out. Sweetheart, they're all fucking gone. Derek's the last man standing. My God, Derek, who are you? Yelled Mandy. He put his boys on this path. He put you on it too. You piece of shit, screamed Derek. Maddie looked down at Derek and grinned. Derek took a deep breath and spit out a tooth onto the carpeted floor. He looked up at Danik. His eyes were full of fear and confusion. His world shattered in a matter of seconds. Derek's world had finally collided with someone he loved. Sargi, there's seven million bucks out there, and I'm splitting it two ways, if you know what I mean. Bang! Maddie shot Danik in the back of the head splattering Danik's brain all over the Berber carpet of the hotel room floor. Jesus Christ! Screamed Derek. Fuck. Fuck. Words weren't coming. Rage and anger were. Derek picked up Danik and held him. His little brother. His best friend. Limp. Lifeless. And gone. Mandy went pale. Her face blank. Derek looked into her sparkling blue eyes. And she looked back as a single tear streamed down her face. Derek couldn't move as he looked at Danik's lifeless body laying in his arms. Don't do this, Maddie. She didn't do shit. Mandy looked at Derek again. His perfect angel had been brought into Derek's world of horror. Tears streamed down Derek's face as he thought about all the things he couldn't erase from his life. He took a deep breath and stared straight ahead at Mandy. All he could do was mouth the words, I'm sorry to her. She cried as he looked into her eyes. A bullet from Maddie's gun pierced the back of her head and ended her life. She fell face down to the floor. Gone were Derek's dreams of top-down rides along the coast with the girl he loved. He'd done it. Maddie had killed the two people Derek loved the most. Derek couldn't move, and he had nowhere to move to. Mandy, Danik, Messy, Hecky, and Arlov. All of them gone. Derek had nothing left except the air in his lungs, and he didn't want it anymore. Maddie stood near the bathroom as George stood in front of the entrance into the room. They towered over Derek as they cocked their guns. They were about to pull the triggers when the door burst open. 
Police officers piled into the room. George was right in front of them as the officers fired. Multiple rounds hit George in his face, chest, and arms. His bullet-riddled body trembled to the floor. Maddie took off running into the bedroom and locked the door. Several officers attempted to kick the door open, and after a few tries, they were successful. They entered the bedroom to discover that Maddie was gone. Derek could hear them call out that the bedroom window was open. Maddie had used the fire escape to do exactly that, escape. Anna was one of the last officers to walk in the door. She knelt down beside Derek and rubbed his back while paramedics tended to his leg. Is he gone? He's gone, Derek. They are too. Derek began to sob. He lay on the ground, shaking and sobbing. It was over. He had nothing left. No home, nowhere to go, no one to talk to. The paramedics patched him up and assisted him onto a stretcher. Derek looked down at Mandy and Danik. Both were lying in a pool of blood, executed right in front of him. The paramedics wheeled Derek out of the hotel to an ambulance. He could see the coroner's van parked down the street. They were in the midst of loading three bodies inside. Derek's head swiveled around, looking for Maddie. He wondered how much of the ambush was him and how much was driven by his desperation to pay back the cartel. Paramedics closed the door to the ambulance, and Derek began to fade. Sleep was approaching. Chapter 33, March 1st, 2010. Derek woke up in a hospital bed the following morning. Anna was sitting in a chair by his side. He was groggy from the painkillers. Derek? asked Anna. Yeah. Do you want me to get the nurse? she asked again. No, it's fine. Where am I? You're at the general hospital. They removed the bullet from your leg. Jesus. That actually happened. It did, Derek. All of it happened. Did anyone come to see me? He asked. Your parents came to get your brother. Where are they? Derek followed up. They're here. Your mom had a spell. Did you know that she's got glioblastoma? I don't know what that is. Derek answered. Brain cancer, Derek. Fuck. Derek let out a deep breath and laid back in his bed and began to cry. Pile it on. Derek, stop feeling sorry for yourself. You did this. You set all of this in motion. No one did this to you. Anna paused for a moment and then continued her verbal assault on Derek. You'll have to live with this. There's no one left for you but you. Anna walked towards the door and let that sink in. Derek continued to cry. You wanted everything for nothing, Derek. Derek took a deep breath. Anna, I'd do anything if it meant even an hour without feeling this pain. Derek paused for a moment and stared at the ceiling. I can't believe that he did that. Anna nodded her head. Crazies will be crazy, but it's my job to limit the damage that they can do. Derek took a look out the window. It's not working, Anna. The war on drugs, what you do, none of it will ever work. George goes in the ground and 10 more of them pop up. Derek, stop. All that you've done is why you have nothing left. 
It's nothing I did or didn't do. It's not the war on drugs. I tried to keep the bullets out of the gun and you loaded it and pointed it at everyone that you love. Anna faked a smile and walked out the door. Derek lay back in his bed and stared blankly at the ceiling. Sleep came once again. A few hours later, Derek was checked by the doctors and released. An orderly pushed him out of the hospital in a wheelchair and he was left to sit. No one was coming. No one cared anymore. He hoped that Maddie would drive by and finish him off. The next morning, Derek woke up at home, alone. He put on the morning news. He was all over it with Maddie, Mandy, Danik, and Hecky. His life was over. Anywhere he went, and anyone that knew him would forever dub him that guy. By afternoon, he rented a car and drove by the first storage unit. He knew that the last time the boys left it, there were still $4 million inside. Untouchable money. The police were likely still looking at it. And if they weren't, Maddie had already cleaned it out. Derek drove his rental car methodically past the unit three different times, each time checking for a cube van nearby. It was still there. He knew Anna suspected that he'd go after the money. They were both right. He turned the car around and drove away as quick as he could. He began to drive aimlessly through the streets of Vancouver, debating his next move. He drove up the Sea to Sky Highway to Squamish, wondering if Hecky's parents knew his whereabouts. He'd disappeared without a trace, and the police were looking for him. Derek pulled into Hecky's parents' complex and parked in front of the house. He entered in the garage code as he remembered it. It worked. He stepped into the garage and used the garage door to enter the house. The house was eerily quiet. He made his way up the stairs and onto the main floor. There was a meal prepped on the kitchen island. It was stinking up the entire floor. Someone had left in a hurry. Derek walked upstairs and called out, Mr. Heckman? There was no response. He opened the door to the master bedroom and on the other side of the bed he could see feet on the floor. He approached the body slowly and looked over the bed. Mr. Heckman had been badly beaten and was now dead. Derek turned and opened the door to the master bathroom. He took one step into the bathroom and nearly stepped in a dry pool of blood. He looked up and saw Hecky handcuffed to the shower rod. His body was beaten and bloodied. He'd been tortured for a long time. Derek knew how Maddie was able to find him. He'd beaten it out of Hecky. Hecky didn't turn. If anything, he did all he could to protect Derek. Derek sat on the edge of the bathtub and looked around the room. That was it. Now he had nothing left. Thank you so much for listening to episode 13 of Second Story Work, the novel. Again, I'm Josh Sobalski. If you like my work, you can give me a follow on Instagram or Facebook at author Josh Sobalski. I'm also on Twitter and my handle there is at author J Sobalski. I do also host a podcast with my good friend Corey Leckie titled Second Story where we interview guests who have undergone a major change in their life that sent them down a different path. Next week's episode, episode 14, will be the last in second story work, the novel. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my novel, and I hope that you will enjoy the final episode that will bring this story to a conclusion. Take care. See you next week.